Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about potential voter fraud in Arizona. We're also going to talk about Arizona's aging, patchwork voting systems that may be at risk. As Arizona's national prominence rises going into the 2020 election, you will hear concerns about voter security and allegations of voter fraud in the state. So here's everything you need to know to be ready for those conversations. All right, Ron, play back the reel on the issue of voter security here in Arizona. Right. So in 2016, Arizona's voter registration system was targeted in at least two hacking attempts connected to Russia. While there aren't recent cases of election manipulation or vote rigging in Arizona, there are in other states. So we know this does happen. It just hasn't been documented here, at least not yet. With the intense interest that the state is going to receive because it's considered a presidential battleground this cycle, and we also have the Senate race that could help determine control of the U.S. Senate next year, um, it's not a stretch to say that this state's election systems could be targeted. There are, again, no instances we know of of someone changing someone else's vote, and prosecutions related to voter fraud broadly are highly rare. Regardless, after the 2020 election in less than one year now, you will hear that someone tried to steal this election. Just count on it. Yeah, it seems just like yesterday we were hearing claims from the president himself uh, of voter fraud during the 2018 uh, Arizona Senate race. On election night, McSally appeared to be ahead, but as those early uh, votes were counted by county recorders across the state, McSally ended up losing the seat and therefore Trump told millions and millions of people that he thought there was voter fraud happening here. But it is interesting. It always seems to go the way of the Democrats. Now in Arizona, all of a sudden, out of the wilderness, they find a lot of votes and she's The other candidate is just winning by a hair. We've also heard from Governor Doug Ducey. He says he has faith in the electoral process. So given these two conflicting views, it may be confusing to have a sense of who's actually right about what's happening with Arizona's elections or what the problem really is, or do we even have one? So we're going to break it down today on whether you should be worried about your vote in 2020. Here to talk about that with us is Andrew Oxford. He is a newcomer to the gaggle, and he's been at the Arizona Republic covering the state capitol and state politics for a few months now. Andrew, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Andrew will be your Sherpa on election security issues through 2020, so expect to hear more from him on this. Okay, Andrew, so let's get right into it. Are we wasting time voting? Are, are these elections, uh, you know, fair and square? You're not wasting your time, but there are real concerns. We've seen close races in Arizona in the past, and there are identified issues such as other countries trying to you know, meddle in elections here. So we can expect Arizona will be a target for some of that again. Okay. So how worried should we be as a voter, knowing that we are a state of interest to outsiders? 
we should be worried because we may not know exactly what the issue is going to be, right? Uh, we have focused a lot in Arizona on election fraud, on somebody voting twice, but that's not necessarily the concern that popped up in 2016. So we may not know kind of where the uh, where the weak link is going to be. So what do we mean when we talk about election security precisely? That's a great question because the term election security is so broad. People talk about Again, fraud, uh, you know, somebody mailing in a bunch of mail ballots that are, are fake. Uh, people talk about vote rigging, hacking. It's a lot of different things. So at a very basic level, when we're talking about the ballot you cast and how it's counted, Arizona has some things going for it, right? Uh, we use paper ballots, generally speaking. Uh, they're going to be tabulated by machines, but they are also subject to audit later on with, you know, officials from different political parties literally looking over each other's shoulders going over these ballots. So that's the upside. But if you step back out a little bit, there's a much bigger infrastructure behind elections. We still rely, even with our paper ballots, on computers to make elections happen. We have a digital voter registration database, for example. The state's upgrading it. It's really old. So we're you know, bringing it up to date. But there are still these systems that are exposed to the internet that could be potentially vulnerable. And then there's kind of a much broader and tougher to nail down issue of security of campaigns, right? In 2016, part of the problem with election security, as I think we come to know it today, is hacking of political parties, of campaigns. So there's a question of how secure you know, candidates are. And it, all of this sort of, I think, contributes to another understanding of election security at kind of this big you know, disinformation level and uh, the public's confidence in the election process. So with that in mind, let's go over a couple different areas of um, public confidence. Is there any demonstrated fraud in Arizona, or is this really just a theory? How, In other words, how real is the harm to voters in this state? So there's been minimal fraud in the traditional sense in Arizona. Uh, you know, since 2008, Arizona officials have examined hundreds of thousands of cases where someone might have voted twice in an election. And after scrutinizing those cases, I think about 30 were sent to the Arizona Attorney General's office. 20 actually resulted in convictions. But this is the area where policymakers have really focused. And so we have a number of safeguards to prevent that kind of fraud, right? Governments have, have adopted voter ID policies, right? Uh, that's really where uh, policies have been targeted. So we saw this sort of intrusion happen in Arizona in 2016. Can you describe what actually happened with the so-called Russian hacking? This is that other kind of election security we're talking about, right? This was an attempt by some uh, hackers to gain access to voter information. Multiple states were targeted. This is not about changing votes. It's not about changing the outcome of an election, per se. It was about poking at different computer systems inside of state governments. Uh, this was kind of a bizarre attempt because voter information is public anyway, right? Uh, anybody can look up that you're registered to vote, that you have voted, where you voted. 
that kind of thing. Again, this just seemed to be testing, these hackers seemed to be testing what they could get into and find. That should have been the wake-up call. Secretary of State at the time, Michelle Reagan, said that it, you know, it was a wake-up call. So I, I think that's the kind of thing that got the attention of policymakers and has kind of shifted focus now to hackers, to not people going into polling places and trying to vote twice, but foreign governments well beyond our borders trying to get into systems that uh, we've kind of neglected to pay much attention to or give much resources to for a long time. So it's not just dead people voting anymore. It's not just dead people voting. Okay, so if it's not just that, uh, what are the major areas that concern you as you sort of uh, follow this subject? Yeah, so I think the obvious one is upgrading all of that infrastructure I mentioned, right? Voter registration systems, the machinery used to count ballots. This is a hardware, but it's also software. And, you know, cybersecurity experts have raised concerns about kind of the inconsistency in the American electoral system. Uh, we have a system where different counties use different equipment, different software. They have different resources. Uh, the county recorder in Maricopa has a much bigger staff than the county recorder out in La Paz, um, not everyone's going to have access to the same level of expertise, perhaps, in making sure that things are up to date, that their systems are secure. Okay, so I can hear people's <laughs> eyes closing exactly. as they think about things like software problems and, and how well they talk to each other. But give us an example of how something that is boring like that maybe can cause a very real problem that people will care about. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So there was a professor at Georgetown University who testified on Capitol Hill the other week uh, about exactly this problem of what if someone was able to gain access to a voter registration database? They could delete entries, add entries, that could create long lines at polls. It could create confusion. It could mean some people don't get to vote. This could be targeted at specific voters, perhaps. It could be sp targeted at specific precincts, specific states, to try and alter the outcome of an election. That is where making sure that there's strong cybersecurity, that, that uh, software is updated, that systems are well monitored, that's where all that comes into play. So these are systems that we have used for decades. I know that recorders and previous secretaries of states for many, many years have complained about kind of the patchwork systems that we use. Uh, how, what do officials need, I guess, just to, to fix the problem, to address it? Yeah, there are a lot of different pieces, right? But for a start, I know the Arizona Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, wants about a million dollars in her next budget to upgrade hardware and software and about $900,000 for cybersecurity staff and, and support. That sounds cheap for the $10 billion budget that the state has. A lot of that falls on the federal government, too. The federal government is often providing grants to local governments, to state governments, to take on particular projects. They're helping governments coordinate and share expertise. The House of Representatives has approved hundreds of millions of dollars in additional funds for election security, but it's unclear whether the Senate will approve that 
Meanwhile, the Election Assistance Commission, which is uh, a big part of coordinating all of these efforts, has seen its budget decline over the past decade. Um, and the thing is, when it comes to resources, I mean, you can make upgrades, but you know, sometimes the challenge is things like finding staff. There's not a glut of cybersecurity experts looking to get into to government. I mean, those are in-demand fields, and government may not be able to offer the kind of pay that they could get elsewhere, right? Give us a sense of how Arizona stacks up in the you know continuum of states um, in this country. Um, we have 15 counties. We have a paper-driven system, as you said. Uh, sounds like we're on the better side. Is is that true? How how would you rate us at this point? Yeah, I mean, on the upside, there. This is not a state like Georgia or Texas, where a lot of people vote on touchscreen computers, and there's not a physical ballot that can be stored and tallied. Uh, election officials and sort of cybersecurity experts have raised concerns about those types of processes for years now. So we have paper ballots, and that's a plus. And those ballots can be audited later. Uh, counties can only use counting machines certified by the Election Assistance Commission. All of those are, are pluses, right? Now, on the downside, like I said, different counties use different technologies, uh, including some areas that have whole older machines. Plenty of experts would argue we should also run our audits differently when uh, officials are going back and checking on the results of elections, maybe select different samples of ballots. That's pretty in the weeds, but it's something election officials will want to think about. And again, we have an election infrastructure like voter registration databases that rely on the internet. Uh, more broadly, we've underfunded elections for years, and, and we're expecting county officials, even these really small places, to hold the line against foreign governments these days. And, and that's a big ask, and we're not giving these people a ton of money to do that work. So how does this work for the regular voter? Like, what, what can they do about it as they're thinking about casting their ballots in what is going to be a hugely consequential election? Sure. I mean, for a start... I, you can go online and check your voter registration, right? You can go to your serviceArizona.com or maricopa.vote. Uh, you can sign up for the permanent early voter list so you get ballots actually mailed to you automatically. The Maricopa County Recorder rolled out this feature that I thought was a good little piece of transparency where they send a text message update to voters about the status of their ballots. Um, and if you really want to go all out, you can actually watch a live webcast of the ballot counting on the county recorder's website. But listen, more broadly, I, I think voters should just be vigilant, right? I mean, use the official voter registration website. Be careful about claims of fraud. Someone's going to say it. And the question is whether it's someone you trust, whether they have evidence to back it up. All right, let's dive into some afterthoughts, breaking down how these uh, potential hacking efforts affect or might affect Arizona's politics and policies moving forward. I probably can answer this question without even um, needing to search much further, but is anything really going to be done about these persistent problems? I mean, do we even think that the Secretary of State's office is going to get the money she's asking for? Here's the thing. It's all politics, right? These are partisan elected officials who run our election systems and who appropriate the money for those systems. So you're going to have a Democratic Secretary of State going in front of a Republican legislature to ask for more money. You know, that's going to be a tough sell. So I can't help but think of this whole 
issue of election fraud or voter fraud and all the politics that are wrapped around these things that come up uh, repeatedly, it seems, uh, without thinking of two things. Number one, how competitive this state has become in recent cycles and especially heading into the 2020 elections. Um, as the state gets more competitive politically, it means that we're going to continue to bump into elections that are closer and closer. And that means that, um, you know, the potential for fraud to have an actual effect rises and the confidence in those elections really becomes more, you know, uh, up in the air because people are going to think that they, they got ripped off because they didn't win what they viewed as a winnable election. The other thing I think about, though, is the 2016 Republican primary for the 5th Congressional District race. That's the one that Andy Biggs won uh, by 16 votes. Um, 16 votes. Crazy. It is. And it's just a reminder at how very, very close these kinds of elections can be. That that uh, particular race ended up in court. They had to do some uh, litigating about what ballots were counted, which ones were excluded and such. And you're down to such small fractional differences at that level that any manipulation of the ballots really could be determinative of who wins. Andy Biggs, by the way, is now in his second term with you know a, a career in Congress sort of blossoming. Uh, he's now the... Uh, the director or the uh, leader of the House Freedom Caucus and, and seems to have the winds at his back politically. Meanwhile, Christine Jones is out of politics. I think what strikes me about this conversation is that you have sitting members of Congress who are claiming wildly inaccurate or at least baseless claims about our election systems publicly on cable network, on radio, in their own Facebook uh, videos, on their you know professional or you know member pages. But behind closed doors, I mean, like we sit down with them behind closed doors in conversations that are never put in print. They would not make those same kind of allegations privately that they are making publicly. And I think that is what is so dangerously damaging about uh, kind of where we're at, going back to what Andrew mentioned about kind of the disinformation uh, efforts out there about the, you know, security of our systems. And it really damages and undermines the public's confidence in our systems, and that will have lasting damage. One other point sort of following on that is that the way that we vote has changed so much over the last 10 years that the the way that we determine who wins these elections has really changed. And the, the leadership of those who are running for uh, elected office has not caught up with the, the change in the way that we cast ballots and, and count them. So we do have these sort of extended uh, election result um, windows that make it dicey and uncomfortable for everybody involved, but they need to sort of, you know, maintain a, a public appearance that will not just undermine public confidence when this race, however it turns out, is over. I'm sure we'll get into that in a future gaggle as far as how we vote and, and how that has shifted. Andrew, thanks so much for coming in and talking with us about this today. We uh, will be talking with you a lot going into 2020. Thanks for having me.
That's it for today, Goggle listeners. We will be covering election issues the rest of this year and almost all of next year. So tell us what you want us to report on. Uh, You can reach out to us with story ideas of your own, tips, information. You don't always have to be attributed. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Andrew B. Oxford. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez and Kayla White. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.